Hi, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. We love to hear about lives being changed. So if you've been positively affected by Velocity Church, send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Thanks, and enjoy the message. Anyone ready for the word? Did you come expecting a word from God today? Um, you know, when someone, when someone comes to the, the pulpit and opens the word of God, it is certainly never about the speaker's words. It is certainly always about what God wants to speak to you today. I don't know how it works exactly. But when we open up the word, things change in our lives. I, I don't, I've not quite figured out exactly how it works. But when we open up these pages and unpack its truth, stories are rewritten. And, and lives are transformed. And um, cities are impacted. I, I may not know your name this morning. And I may not know your story. I may not know what brought you here today. Uh, I may not know. Maybe you're here today and maybe you feel like you're on top of the world. Or maybe you're here today and you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. And whatever condition you arrived in here this morning, I may not know your name and I may not know your story, but I know Jesus and I know his story. And I came to tell you today that his story is more than enough for your story. That if you're here and you're still kicking the tires and still checking this thing out, let me just say this is for everyone and you belong here. And we're so glad you're here. In fact, we set up church and we did all of this today, not because we're bored on a Sunday morning, not because we had nothing to do. We showed up here on mission today because we believe we have the hope of the world on the inside of us. We believe we have found the greatest treasure on planet earth and that is Jesus and so um, I'm just so glad you're here today and I, I pray that you'll have an open heart in fact if you would just clear me some space today more importantly clear God some space in your life I believe that God has something he wants to speak to us and so this morning if you have your Bibles turning your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 54 or in 2019 I guess we say click in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 54 I'll give you a minute to download the app. If it's been a minute, that's okay. We're going to make room for a miracle. This morning, I came with a message very strong in my heart. In fact, God gave me this message earlier this year, uh, both for my life and I believed for the churches that he would send us to this year. And so I'm going to talk to you some, out of something I've even believing for my own life and my own ministry um, in this season. Uh, today I came to advocate for the people who are not yet here yet at Velocity Church. I came to advocate this morning for a city that's dying to know Jesus. The truth of the matter is today that rooftops away from this building, rooftops away from Theodore Lawrence, rooftops away from your home, someone woke up today dying on the inside, dying to know Jesus. And how many of you know, well, one person remains waking up in that condition in Lawrence and in this region. How many of you know we have work to do as a church? That our mission continues, that we must be tireless and we must be diligent to bring Jesus to a world that is heaving, that is dying to know him today. So I actually came to advocate for this city to you today. For those of us who are believers, who have the hope of Jesus in us, who have been so blessed I mean, you may have woke up today. Your life may not be perfect. Mine isn't either. But we woke up today with hope. And we woke up today with our eternity secure. And uh, to me, um, the greatest thing we can spend our lives doing is advocating and building for people who are not yet here. 
And so today I'm going to challenge us. I'm going to call us higher. And if you're looking for a title, and it's just funny, I literally wrote this message months ago, but we're going to go right into the series today. I want to call this message today, Make Room. Make Room. Someone turn to your neighbor and say, Make Room. Or turn to your second choice neighbor and say, Make Room. <laughs> By the way, I'm like a closet Pentecostal. Some of you don't even know what that means. Like, I grew up Pentecostal. Can you help, like, a closet Pentecostal preach a little bit this morning? I'm not saying, like, I just believe church is better when we lean in. Can we do that today? All right. We all find ourselves in seasons where we have to make room for more. I'll never forget, probably around nine years ago, I'll never forget my wife walking out of the bedroom at our old apartment, out of the bedroom with a pregnancy test with two blue lines on it and a what in the world did you just do to me look on her face. <laughs> we were pregnant. And it was a very unceremonious moment. There was no big reveal. There was no balloons. There was no, it was a what in the world just happened moment for us. But after the shock, I'm, I'm thrilled. She's getting there at the moment. Uh, after the shock of the moment wears off, for any, any parents in the room, you know what begins to happen in your mind. Your wheels are turning. We've now got to make room because a new family is on the way. We've now got to make room because the family's about to grow and life's about to be forever different. You see, Jesus arrived into a world that had no room for him. He was born in a cave, a stable, a manger, uh, because there was no room for him in the inn. But more tragically, there was often no room for him in people's lives. He was immediately hunted by the governor. He was immediately resisted by re religious leaders of the day. He was a risk to the political stability of the occupying Roman Empire. He could do no miracles even in his hometown because the, the, the people of, of Nazareth had, had no, no room in their hearts to believe that the kid from down the street could quite possibly be someone great or something great. He arrived into this world where there was no room. People often wanted the power of Jesus in their lives, but they resisted the place that he wanted to take up in their lives. There was just no room for Jesus. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 54. I'm so convicted about this verse right now. I want to read it to you in the ESV. Isaiah 54 and verse 2, it says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Verse 3 goes on to say, For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations. I guess I came to say to us this morning, Velocity Church, that God's plan for your life is bigger than you could possibly imagine. I don't know what you think about your life. I don't know um, if you realize it or not, but if you arrived here today and you are breathing, you are stamped with purpose and you are stamped with destiny. You may have been an accident to your parents, but you were never an accident to God. That, that God has a plan for your life and it is bigger than you could possibly imagine. And the same is true for us collectively as a church, as a house. God's plan for this house 
is bigger than we could possibly imagine. That God has in mind campuses, outreaches, ministries, impact for this house to make in the city of Lawrence, in this region, in this state, for the glory of the kingdom of God. So his plan, just, just, I know what you see here today, which by the way, I was here seven or eight years ago. I remember when this room was half full one time. And to think even in just a few years that now we had to go to two buildings and we have to go to multiple services. And now we've got to think about making this house a home, a permanent home. God's plan for this house is bigger than you could possibly imagine. This this building, this building, while significant, is just the first act. You, you, you've, you've just begun. You're, you've just planted a seed for what God is about to do in Velocity Church in this region. But how many of you would agree with me this morning we all arrive at times where we have to make room for more? We have to make room for the bigness of the plan of God. And I guess let me say it like this. When the plan of God needs room, God looks for people who are willing to make room. God has something he wants to do and he will do. His, his will will prevail in this area. My question for you today is, will this be the kind of house that will make room continually for the plan and purpose of God? This uh, shows up for us in Luke chapter 14. Jesus tells the parable of the wedding banquet. The, the parable is this idea where a man wants to throw a wedding banquet. It would be the party of the year. Like this would be the invitation you want to get. And he sends out invitations for people to come to the party. And yet the first round of invitations were met with many declines. People sent really lame excuses back. I mean, I think one person said this. This is the reason for not coming. I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Okay. I'm not sure what you're doing in Lawrence on a Friday night. But I sure hope it's better than looking at a field you just bought. <laughs> I mean, fairly lame, right? So he got a round of declines. And so what does he do? He sends his servants out again to a second round. Probably didn't let them know they were on like the B list, you know. But sent out to so a second round say, why don't you come to the party? And yet he was met with many declines. Finally, in his desperation, he's got to be thinking, I've got a party to throw. You know, we, we've got something that's going to happen. Finally, he sends out his servants and he says, go to everyone. Go to the highways. Go to the byways. Compel them to come. In other words, what he's saying, I have something I want to do. I have a party I'm throwing. Everyone is welcome. I am looking for people who are willing to make room for this party I'm throwing. And the truth in the kingdom of God is that those of us that are saved, that know Jesus, we've been invited to the party of a lifetime. We've been invited to a life free from our past. We've been invited to a life with a new hope and a new future, a life where your past and your mistakes don't have to define who you are. We've been invited to this, but I believe God's looking for a house that's willing to make room for more, make room for more family. Would that be said of us as Velocity Church? God is looking for people who are willing to make room for his purposes. If we're going to do this, we're going to have to commit to a couple of things, and I want to talk about these really fast today. First of all, if we're going to make room, 
for the plan of God, we're going to have to, first of all, we're going to have to make room physically. We're going to have to make room physically. As soon as the shock of the pregnancy test moment wore off in our house that night, it was about, probably about this time nine years ago, as soon as the shock wore off, what do you begin to do? You begin to think, okay, where's the baby going to sleep? We've got an extra room, but it's got junk in it. So we got, we got to clear out the junk. We got to clear out some space because we've got to make room physically. In other words, uh, we've got to make room for more. What do you do now? You go to Target and you get the, it used to be like the registry gun back in the day. I think it's probably an app now or something because God knows we're getting old, Pastor Justin. We're getting old. You go down the aisle at Target. I need two of these. And I need three of these, and I need 29 of these. You never know. You needed so many things to raise a human being, you know, and, and, and you put things on the list. Why do we do that? Because we're making room physically. In other words, baby needs room. The family's growing. In, in church, this is really exciting seasons. This is what your pastors are standing up here and doing every single weekend, is they're saying we need to make room physically. Because new families on the way, this is the space in church life where, where new campuses are born, new buildings are built, new outreaches are, are established. I've been a part of the same church my whole life. So 37 of my 38 years on planet Earth in one church, one pastor, one vision. I am a local church fan. I believe the local church is the greatest thing happening on planet Earth. And so many times over the years... My pastor has stood up and just when we got comfortable, like just when we thought the family was kind of settled, even this year, I'll just give you perspective. This year, my church, we started this year with two campuses in our church and we are ending this year with five campuses in our church because God is doing something. And yet again, 37 years in, in one church, my pastor yet again stood up and made announcements this year about where we were going. And what we were doing, because we're a church on mission. This is what God's people do. How many of you know there's a lot of things you can build in life? You can build a little league team. You can build a nonprofit. You can build a club or an organization. You can, there's a lot of things you could spend your life building, and many of them are fine and good. But not one of them will save a soul for eternity. But when you choose to take your life and your finances, when you choose to take your gifts and your talents, thank God for every person that got here ahead of us today and set up screens and set up lights and set up amazing children's facilities up there. And thank God for everyone that, that showed up today to serve. What are we doing? We're making room physically. I want to share with you a quick principle on this. This is really important as you, as you prepare to do this. This is really important that you understand this. Matthew 13, verse 44, this is called the parable, the treasure in the field. Jesus tells, it's like a two-line parable, so if you want a good story to memorize, here's a good one for you. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, not in his regret, not in his obligation, come on somebody, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Keep that up for one second. Look at this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Now, when you find the treasure, you just don't get the treasure. That would be called theft, by the way. It doesn't belong to you. So to get the treasure, you have to buy the field. 
if you buy the field, you get the treasure. Do you see the principle? If you, when you buy the field, the treasure that's in the field becomes yours. In, in church life, our treasure is people. Our treasure is people far from God being drawn to new life in Christ. Our, our treasure is marriages that are restored that we're about ready to crash. Our treasure is young people that will grow up in church and never have to walk in the ways of the world because they were so impacted by Jesus and his presence at a young age. Our, our, our treasure is young people who are maybe even away at college right now. Maybe you're even in a season where you were trying to escape mom and dad and escape your past, and yet somehow you found your place back in church. Maybe, just maybe, God's getting a hold of you in this season of your life to do something new. You are our treasure. If you have found hope of Jesus in this place, you are our treasure. You're the reason we built. You're the reason we hear. So our treasure is people. But guess what? To get the treasure, we have to buy the field. To get the treasure, we have to build the buildings. To get the treasure, I know your pastor didn't ask me to do this, by the way. I keep holding this up. You know, I, and we're not taking the offering today, and this is a no-pressure zone, but I just feel very convicted as, a, as an early owner of Velocity Church myself. I just feel very convicted today that God is on the move. He wants to do something. You have no idea the treasure that God has in store for the future of Velocity Church. No idea what God is going to do. I mean, hear me. Okay, I'm just going to go totally rogue on the notes here for a second. Your pastor and I got to spend a few or a week or so in Israel this summer. Really, really interesting when you get a chance to go to Israel. We spent um, part of a day in a town called Capernaum. Capernaum, of course, is up on the Sea of Galilee. It was kind of Jesus' ministry headquarters. It's not where he grew up, but is where he sort of based his ministry out of, if you would. When we were in Capernaum, I thought it was really interesting because um, it was small. I mean, I've read about the Capernaum for like all my life. It, it, it's the site of like 75% of Jesus' miracles happened in and around Capernaum. I mean, it's, it's a biblically significant site. So many stories you've read happened in Capernaum, yet we walked into the gates around the ancient walls of Capernaum, and I was overwhelmed by how small it was. I was overwhelmed by, this is it? <laughs> this is the place I've read about all my life? You know, this is, the, this, is the, this is the mighty, mighty Capernaum. It was just interesting to me. I had a different picture in my mind. And yet, um, I was out praying one day a couple days later, just processing the trip, and I felt God say this to me, that Jesus' ministry was small. It was small. Um, but it was highly effective. It may have been geographically small, but it was highly effective and accomplished everything he was intended to accomplish. In other words, Capernaum may have been small, but guess what Capernaum was? Capernaum was on a trade route. Capernaum was a place where people would come and spend a night or two or three. Capernaum was a place where everyone in the region had to pass through on their way to what was next. In other words, Jesus' ministry may have been small, but it was perfectly positioned to get word out. Now, I want you to think about that for a second, because when I think about a city like Lawrence, I think about Capernaum. I think about the idea that, that while maybe small in number, you know, we're outside of a big city, or this is a, but this is a place where people come and spend a season of their life. 
This is a place where people pass through. You have no idea who could very well sit in these chairs on a Sunday somewhere along the way. You have no idea who might occupy a seat, who might check their kids into class and might leave here someday and go do something significant for the kingdom of God and they can trace it back to their days in Capernaum, in Lawrence, where they sat in here and and, and God transformed their life and he got a hold of their world. You have no idea what God is doing our job is simply to make room for that to happen. Is this all right this morning? I don't know what you came expecting from church today, but I want to challenge you today. When you give, as you're asking God and preparing to, to, to make room, I believe you can expect a miracle because I believe that's what Jesus is preparing to do in this house. Okay, I have so much more message and very little time, so we're going to figure this out here. I have one more thought for you today. As God's people, we have to commit to make room physically, but we also have to commit to make room in our hearts. Make room in our hearts. I'll never forget, July 2nd, 2011, my amazing, beautiful daughter was born. Incredible moment. Any parents in the room, you know. It is a moment like no other, and you get to hold your, your, your child for the first time. You've dreamed about this thing. You've planned for this thing, excited about this, and all of a sudden, this baby arrives, and it's Instagram-worthy. I mean, what are you doing? You're, you're getting the, just the right posts on social media for the day. It's a big day. It's an awesome day. It's the day we prayed for. It's the day we planned for. And then all of a sudden, later that night... I'm up in the middle of the night for no, no need of my own. I'll never forget when she pooped her first diaper. I remember looking at Lindsay like, do we change this? Or like, just like the, the nurse does it, right? And Lindsay looked at me, she's like, you change it. And all of a sudden, I'm changing diapers for another human being. Later that night, I'm up in the middle of the night. I'm not the one that peed myself in the middle of the night. I don't need to be up right now. I'm not the one that went to bed hungry. I'm not the one that's the, 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 but I am now inconvenienced by the very thing I prayed for. I'm inconvenienced by the very thing I was expecting and believing God for. And so I made room physically, but now I have to make room in my heart for this thing that God sent me. And here's what happens in church life. We plan, we prepare, we give, we sacrifice, and the new family comes. Easter comes, and we have to add services, and we're so excited about it leading up to it. But all of a sudden, we arrive, and the room's full. And like, you had to park way down the street instead of across the street. And all of a sudden, you walk in, and you know that seat with your invisible name tag on it? Like, that seat's taken now. And the lobby's crowded. And the kids' check-in takes longer. And all of a sudden, you have to come to, like, the the 7.30 a.m. service because the other ones are all full. And all of a sudden, the very thing you prayed for has become a burden and an inconvenience to you. And it's in those seasons as a church, we made room physically. Now we have to make room in our hearts to handle more. Think about it like this. The cheetah is one of the fastest and most impressive animals on planet Earth. 
A cheetah can accelerate and run from zero to 40 miles an hour in three strides. That's faster than your car. A cheetah can run on the freeway at top speed, 70 miles an hour. A cheetah is built for speed. A cheetah has a flattened rib cage. A cheetah has perfect aerodynamics. In other words, the, the cheetah has all the speed it needs to accomplish its purpose. It has also incredible vision. When a cheetah is descending on its prey, the, 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 the cheetah can see for miles around it. In other words, all the speed and all the vision it needs to be a lean, mean, killing machine. But there's one problem with the cheetah. And that's that at about a quarter mile of running at top speed, the cheetah overheats and has to slow down because its heart is too small. The cheetah can only run at top speed for a very short distance before it tires and gets weary. In other words, the cheetah is very notorious for killing its prey but being too tired to eat it. Only often for a larger predator to come by and take their kill from them. If I'm honest with you, this takes more people out of church life than need be sometimes. The new family comes along, and we're so excited. We prayed for it. We believed in it. But all of a sudden, the new person comes along, and they start getting the praise we used to get. They start getting the attention we used to get. The building's more full. It's inconvenient. I used to serve at one service. Now i got to serve at like three services if I'm on a team. In other words, these are the moments where we don't just make room physically. We have to make room in your hearts. I just wonder if there's room in your heart to believe God for more. As you give, as you sow, as you invest, and thank you to everyone who's going to do that over this next season. Let's also commit that we're going to make room in our hearts for more. That we're going to celebrate new family when they arrive. And you know what? They're going to join your, your well-oiled team, and they're going to mess it all up. Be so thankful for that. Be so grateful. Be so grateful when the room is full, you have to come to the service you didn't want to come to. Be so grateful when the kids' check-in line takes longer. You know what that means? It's just an opportunity for you to sit and have a chat with someone maybe God has assigned to your world when you're having to wait in a long line somewhere. Come on, can we talk this morning? We have to make room in our hearts and I guess I'll land the plane on this thought for us today, which is the whole theme of this series that we're making our way through today. When we make room, God does miracles. When we make room, God does miracles. Going back to Capernaum, I'll close on this. In Capernaum one day, there were a couple men who had a paralyzed friend they were so big in their hearts. They believed that if we can just get our paralyzed friend to Jesus, we know he will be healed. We know Jesus is able. We know that he's powerful. They were so big on the inside that they would stop at nothing. So they loaded their paralyzed friend up on a mat. They made their way one day through the crowded little streets of Capernaum only to arrive at the house where Jesus was teaching only to find it full. There was no room in the house. There was no room in the house for what they were believing Jesus to do. 
What did they do in that moment? In that moment, did they come back for second service? You know the story. Did they just wait a little bit? Did they come back next week? No, these men had a tenacity, had a faith that said, we will stop at nothing to see our friend healed. Now, it's important we don't overly sanitize the Bible. This is not a VeggieTales story we're reading, by the way. This is like actually happened. So context is king. What did these men do? Did they walk away? Did they come back later? No. I love this story. They somehow managed to get their paralyzed friend on the roof of the house where Jesus was teaching. They took it into their own hands to start creating a hole in the roof. In other words, they destroyed someone else's property. They were so big on the inside. They literally came through the roof of someone else's house. Can you imagine? You're Jesus. And all the, you're teaching, and all of a sudden, like, tiles are falling. Like someone's coming through the building physically. And all of a sudden, lowered on a mat was this paralyzed man. They were so desperate to get him to Jesus. And what does it say in the text? And this is our miracle today. What does it say? It says, when Jesus saw their faith. Whose faith? The paralyzed man's faith? The people in the room's faith? The worship team's faith? When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Be healed. And on that day, that man walked home whole. He walked home free. He walked home healed because a couple men had enough room in their hearts to believe Jesus for a miracle. I wonder if Jesus, when he looks at Velocity Church, I wonder if he would see that kind of faith in us today, the kind of faith making room for a miracle. Anyone just want to believe for that today in this season of church, that when we make room, Jesus will do miracles. Amen.